Hi guys, before we get started with this week's episode, we just have a little bit of news for you. Oh yes. We do. The news is that we now have a dedicated section on the official Manchester United app just for our podcast. Maisad, go on it. Loving it? Yes, loving it. We know what you're thinking. Why should I move my favourite podcast app all the way over to a new app? Well, two reasons. Reason one is that you will get the podcast a whole 24 hours earlier. I think that's a really good reason. That's 24 hours earlier than everywhere else. And you can be first in line to hear every new episode. Yeah, and reason number two is it allows us to bring you so much more than just the episode. So if we talk about goals, you'll be able to see the goals within the app and you'll also see associated articles and something a lot of people have requested. You'll be able to watch more episodes of the podcast all in one place which to me seems sensational Mm -hmm. but if you're not convinced and want to stay where you are that's fine too we'll still bring you our pods right here every week as usual right here right now but also if you're on the app you won't have to sit through us telling you all this every time that's good isn't it yeah because this is going to get repeated if you're listening on something else but not on the app Uh, anyway that's it the official Manchester United app now has a podcast section loads going on in there check it out now on with this episode download the app it's Ellen. Derby Day delight for Manchester United. Katie Zellem puts it to bed right at the death. Zellem, keeper goes the right way, but she scores nonetheless. And Zellem makes it 2 1. Katie Zellem, it's magnificent. Manchester United's first ever goal against Manchester City is a cracker. Hello and welcome to another episode of the United Podcast. I am delighted to be joined by Helen Evans. Hi Helen. Hi Sam, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? Yes, fine, thank you. Excellent. Uh, and also, and I don't think we've done this before, uh, we have a guest host, Pian Moonenstein. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Um, because this is new, maybe for people listening, can you tell us three interesting or unusual things about yourself? Just made this up. Tasca looks shocked, is this all right? This wasn't on the script, but let's go for it. Three is, three is a lot. No, I've maybe got just, Maybe just one. Three is a lot. <laughs> I had three. People people will want to know who they're listening to. I would not know three about myself. I think one is sufficient. The top ten most interesting things about yourself. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, there's there's literally three. There's <laughs> an interesting person. There's going to be three things. Um. Okay. Well, let me just think about it. Let me just talk them through first. I'm from the Netherlands. Great. Good one. That's a great um, start. Had a massive gap in my teeth for ages, which I've only just had fixed. Cool, interesting. Didn't know that. Personal history. <laughs> what else is there? Um, Are you dad? Oh yeah, and then my dad used to work at United. Okay, we'll do that. I think you just did. Well, that was it, wasn't it? It's not very professional. The uh, ins and outs pain, so that'll probably all be left in. There we go. That was great. And now we, everybody listening is like, great. Now I, when I hear that voice, I know Dutch. There's used to be a gap in the teeth. It isn't now. Brilliant. Um, Helen, I've talked a lot. Do you want to say some things? Yes. Today on the podcast, we have Katie Zellum. Very much looking forward to this one. She has been nominated by plenty of her teammates at Payne and someone you know quite well. Yeah, it's really interesting actually speaking to Katie because I've obviously spoke to her a few times in the past three years that she's been at United, obviously now captain as well for the past two years. So um, she's a real leader, but also really, really fun to talk to as well. Um, you'll hear obviously the podcast, she's got great stories. And yeah, I think she's she really has that United spirit and I think that comes through. And also she, she knows sort of all the ins and outs of women's football because obviously she's played in Europe. She's played here in the UK as well. Um, so she's a really, really fascinating person to talk to, especially with the rise of women's football coming in now. You've already said more words than David May has ever said 
during the intro section to a podcast. <laughs> he doesn't know we're doing this. So Maisie, if you're listening, um, we appreciate you. Uh, you just have different styles to Peen. It's different. Let's face it. He's not going to listen. No. <laughs> well, well, we'll find out. Nobody say anything. Nobody mention anything. We'll just we'll see if he mentions it in the yeah. WhatsApp. <laughs> I guarantee he won't yeah. listen. <laughs> we are currently on Zoom. We did record this episode a couple of weeks ago on Zoom as well. Shall we have a listen? Let's do it. Here she is, Katie Zellum. Oh, not sure about that bit of hair, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Do you think this should go over your hair, I wonder? Oh, actually, I can't hear you, so it doesn't matter what you say. <laughs> Lately, you've really nailed your headphones. Helen has, I think, recently unnoticed by the rest of us that Helen has just been getting on using her headphones and it hasn't been a mess every every episode. Well, it was the last episode because it didn't record. It recorded on my AirPod Pros, I think. Ah, so it's not not perfect, but still, you've, you've gone connected. Listen, pro by name, pro by nature now, Sam. <laughs> Katie, looks like you've untangled your headphones. Can you hear us okay now? Yep, can hear you. Excellent. When you're ready, Sam, please, can you start us off? I will, Matthew. Thank you. Well, this is exciting because Katie Zellum, welcome to the United Podcast. Thank you. Also, Peen, welcome to the United Podcast. Thank you. Pleasure to be joining you all. I've been yeah. waiting for this opportunity. <laughs> we have we have no David May, so we brought in, I think, the opposite of David May. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll do my best to fill his very, very big boots, but yeah. Well, we're delighted that you've joined us. Uh, and Katie, you as well, of course. How are you? How's your day? What are you doing? Yeah, I'm great, actually. So we've come in today for a recovery session. And when we have two games in a week, we try and fit in a recovery session just so we can be ready for the next game. So just been doing a bit of foam rolling, yoga, mindfulness, actually, which not sure if that's going to help me at all. But you've got to give it a go, haven't you? (laughs) Sounds like a lovely day. I tried foam rolling the other day for the first time properly. That is sore when you do it properly, isn't it? Do you know what? I get really sore arms just from holding myself up on the foam roller so I'm not sure if that is actually helping me because I come away with more sore arms than I do legs <laughs> have you had to use that um that gun thing on your legs oh yeah we do all have them but not today they're more for a home home recovery I think home use uh Katie it has to be said I'm not sure whether you've listened to the ladies podcasts but you have been a very well requested member of the team are you aware of that um, I would love to say yeah, but unfortunately, I am not aware of that. Now, well, Sorry. there you go. <laughs> we always ask for a recommendation um, from players at the end of a podcast, and your name has come up quite a lot. That's just because I talk a lot, I think, which is ideal for a podcast. Isn't it exactly, exactly as ideal for us? <laughs> so, tell us about your formative years. You grew up in Oldham. Uh, what was life like? Did you have brothers and sisters, and what were you doing? Do you know what's really funny? I'm not actually from Oldham. Oh, like, what a terrible start from me. Yeah, well, actually, not you, like, just my life as a whole. Everyone asks me if I'm from Oldham. And I've kind of just said, yeah, because I don't want to be rude on the interview. <laughs> so <laughs> well, I'm not like, yeah, time whatever. to put it right. <laughs> yeah, so anyone watching this can, in the future, you stop asking me if I'm from Oldham, please. Um, but my school was in Oldham, so I think maybe that's where the confusion lies. And if you were to ask my mum and dad, they'd be like, we've got a Manchester postcode, Katie. Um, so from Manchester, Failsworth, which I'm not, I'm going to say it's not Oldham. Um, I've got no brothers and sisters, just me. 
Um, everyone says I've got only child syndrome, but I beg to differ, actually. Um, my dad's side of the family is really small. Um, everyone is actually an only child, which is oh, really, really, yeah, uncommon. And we used, my dad's an identical twin, um, and we used to live next door. So everyone thinks, they've got a son a year older than me, and everyone thinks that um, we're brother and sister. But we're not. We're just all cousins in this family. Oh, how lovely. What's it like, Katie, as well, sort of being an only only child, but then sort of playing with all, you know, all the players and you sort of live together as well. And it's like one big sort of unit. But then to go from being an only child and then, you know, being surrounded by, you know, friends that you're playing with every day. Is there sort of any difference between that? Do you enjoy sort of having a lot more people around the house? I feel like if you ever to me my dad then it feels like there's definitely more than three people in the house <laughs> I've met him I've met him and he's a, yeah. he's a character <laughs> I definitely got my loud side from my dad and I don't honestly know how my mum's put up with both of us in the house for so long because it's like chaos um so when I went to I moved out really young I signed for Liverpool at like 16 and straight away moved out so like moved out part-time kind of and when we had double sessions I used to stay over with the girls anyway so that's something I've done from such a young age that it almost feels like so normal. I obviously went to Italy and when I come back the club was like oh so you won't need housing then like you'll go back home. I was like no I won't be going back home like (laughs) I've been out for so long I will not be going back home and my mum was like why not? I was like because I don't want you asking me what I want for tea every night mum like I'm fine just to be back on my own um so I guess it is a real nice mix like to be honest people always say to me oh do you wish you had a brother or sister I'm like well I don't know because I don't know any different um and because my family is actually so close-knit it has always felt like I've had people around me all the time oh that's really nice and your love of football I assume come from your dad and your uncle then because they both obviously played yeah exactly so like when I was growing up like my family has got like quite a lot of males and on the street that I lived, my mum and dad have lived in the same house from when I was born and still live there now. So my dad is like best friends with all the neighbours, like cuts the grass and puts the bins out and everything. Um, so Good like, neighbour. Yeah, all of them have got like boys. So we just, everyone when I was growing up was like playing football on the street and obviously my dad and uncle were playing to a really high standard so for me it was just like second nature to start playing football really just um just chiming in because we've we've had chats with you before about the differences between the north and the south of england <laughs> on this podcast and especially players that have moved up and down the country and that your dad is cutting the lawn for people is i think a really perfect example because anybody who tried to take your bins out in the south of england <laughs> their neighbors would not trust honestly that is nothing for my dad if you heard some of the stories like we got new neighbours. I don't know if he's going to want me to tell you this, but I've started the story now. We got new neighbours and he just like went round and started painting the fences for them. Like when they went on holiday, they're like quite an elderly couple. And I come home, I was like, mum, where's my dad? And she was like, he's next door. I said, what do you mean? He's just invited himself round to paint someone's fences. And to be fair, when they got back, they were like, they loved it. They were so grateful and they did need a lick of paint. So yeah. it was a nice thing he did. He didn't like ask. Do you want, they, he didn't go like, do you want your fences paint? He just went, that fence needs painting and just went and did it. He can see it from our like back garden and like my bedroom. He was like, they need a lick of paint, they do. I said, Dad, they might not like your shade of brown that you picked. He went, they will, I know they will. 
Like, what a guy. What a guy. What a neighbour. Yeah. Um, Katie, I know that you played in a team from quite young, but you were the only girl in that team. In fact, the only girl in the league, I believe. Yeah. How much, when you look now, because you are an idol for so many young girls, when you look at that, back all those years how incredible of a feeling is that for you looking back and thinking I I was the only girl in that league at that age yeah and what's so crazy is like at the time it was so not normal yeah but for me it just felt so normal like the lads I'm still friends with a lot of them now and they just treated me like a teammate not oh it's a girl or a boy it was almost always like the lads on my team always had my back. Like looking back now, I'm like horrified to what things people used to shout at me as like really? a six, seven, eight year old girl. Like the parents would shout on like, come on, they've got a girl on the team. Like, how, like how's a girl beating you? And I'd be like looking at my dad like, why is this 35 year old grown man like shouting at me from the side of the pitch and yeah I'm small now but if you would have seen me when I was little I was tiny and like no wonder that them views become so normal because people's parents are shouting Mm -hmm. that from the side the lads around me the lads growing up playing against me was like yeah she is a girl like why is she playing football like the views are just passed down from generations which is what I would like to try so hard to eradicate and I think it's so refreshing for me that some of my friends like still come and watch me now. They message me like so a lot of them are good players, like went on to play in like academies and things like that. And for me, like they always knew. And I see some of them like when I go back home and they're like, you were always better than us, Katie. <laughs> and I'm like, it's nice that like the people that knew me and was around me are, are of the same view as I am. And hopefully they can pass that view on to the people around them. Mm-hmm. Did it ever affect you, sort of hearing that, especially at such a young age as well? I think you, you know you're very impressionable, aren't you, at that age? And when you're you're a young kid and you're playing and you're hearing that from a grown man, and you're sort of taught, aren't you, to sort of respect your elders and, and you know you listen to your parents and you listen to you know people that are sort of that age, and then you hear those comments and you know did it ever sort of affect you and did you ever sort of question playing football? I look back now and I think no wonder so many girls stop playing football. Like no wonder the dropout rate between like 10 and 16 is so high because so many people are telling you you shouldn't be playing. Why are girls playing? Like you, the boys are so much better than you. Like no wonder Like people question like, oh, why is there less girls in sport? Well, because your dad's shouting at me. That's why there's less girls mm. in sport. And I think for me, like growing up around like, you've met my dad he's just like say it how it is and I think that's very much how I am now and I'm quite thick-skinned to the point that that probably made me stronger rather than brought me down but Mm -hmm. like yeah I was the only girl in the league probably for a reason because no one else wanted to be shouted at from the sideline every single week Um, and I think I was really lucky to be surrounded by so many people that were strong and strong independent women to be honest that supported me but not just the women my dad my uncle my coach and the my teammates were like some of my teammates bless them would be like yeah we have got a girl like yeah and she's better than you and like I was the captain so they were like yeah and she's the captain thanks boys (laughs) that makes me quite sad when you you actually tell that story it's It's quite sad. I know you probably won't want me to feel sad, but it is quite sad looking back and thinking that wasn't even that long ago. And that's, you know, what was going on on the sidelines. 
Yeah, and actually what's even sadder for me is it's probably still happening now. Yeah. There will still be girls that are being told, like, oh, go and, pl- go and play a different sport, go and play, like, a girls' sport or whatever you want to call it. And I think times have really come on for women's football. Like, I'm sat here playing professionally for Manchester United. That was never never a thing when I was younger. But there is still so many things that need to be worked on and so many things that need to improve but maybe are like stuck in the past time a little bit if people's individual views aren't changing then how do you expect to change it as a collective Mm -hmm. just randomly remembered when I was a kid there was I won't say the brand but there was a sports brand and they made football boots and their slogan for a bit was you work because they only made football stuff it was something like you won't see our name on your sister's netball skirt or something because they just made football stuff. And that was for kids, obviously. Um, But when I played football, when I was like 10, the best player on my team was a girl called Jade. She was way better than everybody else. But when she reached 11, there was then nowhere for her to play. And so she just had to stop. And that was, that was the end of her football career at the age of 11. How many options and avenues did you have? And how close did you get at any point around the age of thinking, well, there isn't, there isn't much football for me to do. Um, I've probably got a really unique story in the fact I started playing for boys team really young. So I was like six, seven, eight when I was playing with the lads. Um, and at that point you couldn't go on, like when you hit a certain age, like you mentioned, you couldn't, you wasn't allowed to play with boys. And I don't know why, because half the girls were actually taller than the boys in the year. So like, I know that now they've increased the age limit, which is good, but I, actually got invited to trials for Manchester United women well girls the academy um at like eight years old or something they must have like don't know why they was watching the league because it was only me there um <laughs> but I they was like oh we wanted to come down we wanted to come down and I remember my dad said to me like Katie we're going man like we're going to play with the girls and I was like I'm not I was like I'm not going to play with the girls I like playing with the boys um and I know that for so many people, that's like roles reverse. Like so many girls didn't have anywhere to play and didn't have any opportunities. And I think, I don't know what was wrong with me as a child, but I didn't want the opportunities. I was like, no, I'm going to stay here with my mates. Like I enjoy playing with these. And my dad actually tricked me to go into the, to Manchester United. I never tell anyone this. Um, he tricked me to go in and was like, we're going to the, that we used to go to like the local field and just like kick the ball around together. Um, and he was like, like, get your kit. I used to go in my full kit, you know, like sad people do. Um, and then he was like, we're, we're going like to just to the local field. And I remember thinking like, oh, this is quite a long drive, like a bit further than we normally would to the pitch. And then we turned up at the cliff. And I was like, no way, I'm not getting out. And I sat in the car and I wouldn't get out. And he was like, we're going to be late, so you're getting out. Another thing about my dad is he likes to arrive early everywhere. Like, I'm not talking like punctual. I'm talking like you could get a flat tyre, go for breakfast, fill your car up and you'd still be early. Like, it's (laughs) mental. Um, So we sat in the car for a little bit of me saying I didn't want to go. And then he finally persuaded me to get out of the car and... I remember coming out and I was like, that was the best thing ever. Like everyone's so much better. And I never looked back since really, but I know for a lot of the girls and a lot of the people my age at the time that maybe wasn't fortunate enough to go to Manchester United, 
there wasn't any like girls teams around and it was a point where where do you go next like there's no girls teams and you're not allowed to play with the boys so what is the solution um and I think the issue was like no one was that bothered that there wasn't a solution um until more recently there they've started putting money into grassroots footballs for girls and things like that which is so great to see how old were you when you arrived at the cliff didn't want to go but did go in I was eight so I spent from eight till 17 at the cliff actually twice a week three times a week my dad driving me there and from not wanting to get out to asking to go early so shows what sort of club we had there it seems as though as well sort of listening to the stories that you're saying like the common theme is like your dad and and how much of an impact he's had on your life so early on as well but was he sort of one of the 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 biggest sort of driving forces for you and and to get you to the career that you have now yeah I think I I always say to my mum after these interviews like so sorry mum but like (laughs) you you were there too you were (laughs) um but both my parents are so supportive like Obviously, my dad come from a footballing background, so he'd be the one shouting coaching points onto the pitch. Or as soon as I come off the pitch, scoring a hat-trick, telling me how I could have scored four goals. Um, He was always the one that was there for me, like, throughout my football career. Like, even when I was younger, like, still now after a game, I'll ring him and we'll talk about every single incident that happened in the game. But my mum... I I do have a mum and she sat next to my dad usually or actually a few seats away because she said he shouts too loud um but she like my mum's also there like they've been so amazing to me like home away games like when I represented England to be fair it was my dad that used to fly everywhere my dad's self-employed so he just does what he wants basically um like comes to all the away games and yeah they've my dad especially has been like the real driving force throughout. Did you have any idols growing up? Um, it's really funny. People always ask me this question and this is almost where I think it's quite like sad growing up that I didn't have any idols as female footballers because they just wasn't in the limelight. Like I actually went to play for Liverpool when I left United at 17 and I didn't really know who anyone was. And, like, I look back now and it was, like, Farrah Williams, Natasha Dowie, and I just didn't really know who it was because I'd never seen it on telly. There wasn't household names or anything. And if someone's to say to me when I was little, like, who do you watch? I'll be like, oh, this men's player, this men's player. Like, never once really a female player. And, like, that's something I really, like, it gets me a little bit emotional when I see, like, little girls or little boys as well in the stand with, like, Zellum on the back of the shirt. And I think how amazing that they can now see a pathway for them to become professional. Like, really off topic, but I'll never forget, like, when I finished sixth form, I'm actually smarter than I look, so I did A-levels. Did my A-levels, got quite good grades, and, like, it was the time where you have to, like, I don't even know what it's called now, like, a personal statement or something. Yeah. Um, Like, to get into university. And I was just a bit like, I don't want to write one of these, like... I'm going to go and play football. And all my teachers were like, no, you need to write one. Like, football, you might not make it in football. Like, football's not a long career. Like, f- girls don't earn a lot playing football. No, it's a bit like, you're not selling that to him sat over there, are you? Like, I don't see him writing a personal statement. Um, so I, like, wrote one and everything, applied for university, but it was like, 
I'm going to play like professional football. Like I'm not going to like balance university on like or like go to university and be a part time footballer. Like I always knew what I wanted to do. And for me, like looking back, it was crazy how people were like. I was signed for Liverpool. I had a professional contract at this point, and they were still telling me that you need that. Are you going? What university are you going to? Like think about where you're going to go. And I was like just fell into the system of like still applying and still doing it and yeah there's no harm in applying and I'm a really big advocate for getting your education but if like if you've got the chance there to become professional at something you've tried so hard like why are people trying to deter you so much? Mm -hmm. It's interesting as well when you say sort of you know looking back and you didn't really watch or you didn't weren't able to watch women's football on TV and there weren't that many idols out there when you were younger when did you sort of actually realize now I'm going to take this seriously and this is going to be a career because you know there's you know like you said it's so hard isn't it for for girls growing up and they don't see that that could be a potential career path because you know there wasn't that much um out there shown about it and then you know the fact that you've gone there and were like you know I'm not going to write a personal statement because I am going to do this for a career even though there's so many people saying you know you should have backups and whatever um but even to know there wasn't sort of any idols out there that you were following you're just doing your own path so sort of it's just interesting to know like when you thought actually I'm going to take this really seriously and this is going to be my career yeah I think coming to the end of my time at Manchester United I was obviously, I ended up like signing straight. To clarify, I guess, this you mean as a child? As a child, not yeah. Now. I'm not leaving. Yeah. <laughs> um, as a child, I was like 16. To be honest, it feels like so long ago, all the ages just blurred together. I was like 16, 17, and I just went straight into professional football. And most people were like looking for a club or. Like, don't get me wrong, a lot of people maybe didn't sign professional and went to university or went and played part-time and stuff. But as soon as I chose that I was going to sign at Liverpool, um, then I met the likes of, like, Farah, Tash Dowie, everyone around me. Like, we had, like, foreign girls that had come over and obviously was playing full-time. Like, they'd sign people to come from abroad and all different sorts of places. And for me, that really opened my eyes, like wow, like these people are one, really good at football, but two, like this is their jobs. And I think the older I got, the more I realised that it was possible. Mm -hmm. But when I was obviously younger, it never felt like it was going to be a thing. It was more like, are you playing, are you playing as a hobby or maybe one day, but who really knows? Like I used to like, I have loads of random career plans. Like, no, mum, I'll be like a party planner or like just like the most random things. Um, And then obviously as I got a bit older, I realised I started getting selected for like the England youth teams and stuff like that. And that was kind of when I realised like, yeah, I can do this. Like this can become a career. So tell us about the process of signing for Liverpool. So... I was 16 or 17, I can't really remember. Um, But the Manchester United at the time didn't have a women's team. Mm. So it's really unfortunate looking back, to be honest, because there's so many great players that have come through the setups and players that you probably wouldn't even know. Like, Casey did a great job of bringing a lot of people back here, but like Millie Turner, Ellie Turn, Gabby George, Izzy Christiansen, like all come through Manchester United and you think they're all playing for top teams now that, could have also made a great Manchester United team at the time. Um, But everyone had to make a decision and I had the choice between Everton, Liverpool and Man City. And Liverpool at the time actually were the only full-time team. 
So for me, like I went and had a look at all the clubs, like spoke to them all, but for me it was something I wanted to like throw myself into and for Liverpool being the only fully full-time team, it was almost like a no-brainer really that I was going to go there and like train every single day. I actually, like looking back, it really makes me laugh (laughs) that I used to go to, so I, I live in Manchester, so I used to get the bus to school in the morning. It used to take me ages because I don't know if anyone gets buses, but they don't take the most direct route. Um, so, like, I would get the bus for, honestly, like, 40 minutes or something and then get off at the bus station and have to walk to school. And then I'd do lessons one and two. And then I'd get the bus back, but past my house, like, back to Manchester City Centre. And then I'd get on a train to Widnes, which is where Liverpool trained at the time. And sometimes if I like got lucky, people would be driving past on the way. Or if not, I remember I actually Googled this at one point because I was like, how far is this? It was a mile walk from where I got off the train station to the training ground. And I used to turn up in like my little blazer and skirt and everyone would be like wetting themselves. Like, Katie, what are you wearing? And I have my little dolly shoes on. I'm like, <laughs> I've been in school. <laughs> I've been in sixth form like for two hours and then come here. Um So I used to like try and manage my week like that. But for me, it was like a real great thing that I could go and play with the players of the likes of Farrow. And like now, like people laugh, but I'm like, Farrow is always someone that I looked up to. Um, I'll never forget, I went into training and she took a corner on her left foot and then a corner on her right foot. And I was just like, I'm going to do that one day. Like I'm going to be like that. Um, so to see like people that had been there, done that and won things and at such a young age to be able to go into that sort of environment was amazing for me. And those first couple of years, they were very successful. Liverpool as well, winning the WSL in 2013, 2014 as well. And that was your first year, wasn't it? 2013? Yeah, so I signed in 2013. So could probably work out how old I was from that. Um and I didn't play loads, to be honest. Like, I was still real young. Um, I'd kind of come in off the back of a half season because how it worked at the time was it was a summer league and the youth age groups is a winter league. So you, like, finished in June and that's why I ended up signing straight away to finish the season there. But it was a great experience and it was Matt Beard that signed me and I'll forever be grateful for that. And the season after, I actually played quite a lot of minutes which at such a young age was like a huge honour for me. And my mum actually sent me a photo the other, yesterday it was, um, Gemma Bonner posted it from 2014 and it was our Champions League debut. And I had the biggest train tracks. Like (laughs) I look honestly about 11 years old, massive braces. Um, My mum said, oh, I think that's quite a nice photo. I said, what photo are you looking at? Because it's done like a nice one to me. Um, but it's crazy to think that I had so much experience at such a young mm-hmm. age that I was playing in a Champions League in 2014, what, seven years ago. What were the crowds like back then as well? I will never forget because obviously I ended up going to Italy at the time, but we played Brescia in our first year. Yeah, it would have been the first year we was in the Champions League and they were crazy. We, we played a home and then away it was like two legs and we went away and they were like setting off flares 
like there was cages around the pitch and they were rattling the cages and like we had quite a young team at the time and it was the first time in our ch- in the Champions League and everyone was like these people are nuts <laughs> like they were like setting flares off like all sorts so to be fair the away leg was quite a good crowd like the home leg was like nowhere near what it's like now um if I can remember rightly it would have been like late hundreds like 800 would have been like quite a good crowd and now we're turning up nearly 4,000 on our game against City the other day so you can see how far it's come. Did you enjoy playing in that environment? In a hostile environment? Or, yeah. Um, yeah and I started the game actually um, and I remember like thinking god these are going to come through the cages in a minute <laughs> like they were really rattling the cages but it was quite a like, nice change if that if that even makes sense, um, from like just to see different experiences. And even with the European Championships when I was younger, like the 17s and the 19s, like you go to some crazy places and I'm sure the whole country is just watching. Like you go to Luxembourg and every person in Luxembourg seems to be at the stadium. And it is nice to have that sort of exposure and I think get used to it at such a young age. When you were going to Italy then when you played for Juventus and it's just interesting to know what your thoughts were on sort of how the fans saw women's football back then as well and sort of when you were playing for Liverpool you played in the Champions League and did you see any other sort of differences between what it was like playing in England and playing sort of in Europe? Um, Even probably from then till now I think like then it was a lot of like family, friends, like people that like were actual supporters of the individual rather than the team and then like younger kids and families maybe and I think you can see more now that I can only compare to like Manchester United now but like the Barmy Army and people like that are like they're football fans like they're not fans of Katie Zellum or they're not like there to support one individual like they're Manchester United fans that are getting behind a lot of them I believe, go to the men's and the women's game. And that's so nice that they're actually fans of Manchester United and the club rather than like just going along for a day out. And I think I'd really notice that now that the crowds are a lot more varied and um, especially with it being on Sky and the BBC, like there's just so many more people watching. It's a really nice way to put it, actually, that before that you noticed... It was friends and family of the player and now it's supporters of the club. It's a really nice, nice way to put that. Um, just while we're talking about Juventus then, tell us about that move, how that move came about in August 2017. Yeah, it was honestly so sporadic looking back. I just like, look back at my career and think, how the hell has that happened? Like, and why did I do that? Um, to be honest, it was honestly one of the best things I ever did. Like, it looking back, it is one of the best decisions and... I'll take you back to the time because you'll be like, what the hell? Um, I was still at Liverpool at the time and I'd been there for like four or five years, uh, four years it would have been. If, did you say it was 2017? Honestly, everything just merges into one now in, when you start Did you get yourself a diary? I do, I think, yeah. Um, like four years there and I'd been played under Beardy, I'd played under Scott Rogers who was the assistant and then become the manager and just almost felt like I needed a bit of a change for me I was never like afraid to be away from home like I was only an hour down the road and my mum said she never used to see me like it it didn't bother me that I was like away and 
and I always knew how close my family were. Obviously, it was nice if I wanted to go home, I could, but I know a lot of people at a young age probably miss, like, the home comforts, but I'd almost made, like, a little family away from that. Um, I was actually talking to Martha Harris the other day. We, like, lived together for about seven of nine years of knowing each other, um, which is crazy, but so nice to have someone that knows you so well around. Um, So I was at Liverpool, like, spoke to Scott, um... I were actually still in contract till the December just because the seasons kept like flipping over from summer to winter. So a lot of the contracts were like slightly out of time. Um, so I was still in contract till the December and then I was kind of like left to me with what I wanted to do. Like, am I staying? Did I want to move on? And I just felt like I needed a new challenge. And I wasn't actually looking to go bored at first. I was more like, looking around England, like, where did I want to go? Like, it was important for me that I was probably still going to play a little bit. Like, I wanted to play, I wanted to learn. Um, I wasn't against going abroad, but I'd only really looked at, like, France, Spain, like, places like that. And then I remember my agent at the time, like, rang me and said, oh, the director of Juventus has rang you. And I was like, well, not rang me, rang him. And they were like, they want they want to sign you. And I was like, how the hell do they know who I am? Like, the director of Juventus. He was like, um, they've actually, on, they only just started their team when I signed. So it was their first season. They'd like just developed a women's team. They were, it was only actually Juve and Manchester United that didn't have a women's team at the time. Um, Real Madrid had like just started one and they were like coming into it, but under a different name and things like that. And I was like, oh, that's a bit of a random like thing. I was like, oh, Italy sounds like it's going to be a nice place. But I was like, I'm not too sure. Like, it's very out the blue. And it was, I don't know why I remember this so vividly, but it was a Wednesday. And he was like, well, have a think, Katie. Like, he needs to know otherwise like, they'll have to like look at signing someone else. Like, they need to get the team together pretty quickly. And I was like, spoke to my mum and dad. And I was like, I remember my dad was like, go go he was like that's going to be amazing like Juventus such a huge team my mum was like it's a bit far that Katie like (laughs) I'm not sure and I was like mum I was like are you trying to put me off she was like no no I'm not putting you off she's like but it is far um and then by like mid-afternoon I was like you know what I'm gonna go for it like I've always said like if an opportunity comes up then what what is it to lose like if you don't go you'll regret it like so I like rang my agent back and they obviously had to sort terms and stuff like that and because I was still in contract speak to Liverpool and it got done really quickly actually and then it was like all agreed and they said to me oh we'll book your flight for the morning then I said the morning you don't know how many clothes I've got I was like I need to pack up get my shoes together I was like this is I'm not just coming over for a holiday you know like I'm fully moving here I was like, I've got wardrobes full at that the house in Liverpool and at home. I was like, I can't do that. They went, okay, how about Saturday? And I went, oh yeah, that's great. As if like two extra days was going to like do me loads of good. And I remember at the time being like, God, that was generous of them, letting me go on the Saturday. And now I look back, I'm like, they literally give me two more days. Yeah, you're to, a like, moving country. <laughs> literally pack up my life, like. All my stuff was like in several locations because I was in Liverpool at home. Like I literally had like, I didn't have it. I didn't know a word of Italian for a start. Like I didn't have a 
Italian number. I didn't have a bank. I was just like, oh, Saturday. Yeah, that's nice of them. Like so naive of me to think that was a great thing that they were doing. And I remember I went to the house and I like packed loads of suitcases and like I'd not even like told my friends like because up until the Wednesday, like it wasn't really happening because like there was complications like with Liverpool and UV like agreeing terms. So I was just like, guys, like, I'm moving to Italy. And they were like, when? I was like, three days. So I like quickly organised like loads of like to see like my friends, like little meals, my family. And I packed all my bags like on the Saturday, like I'd said bye to people. I remember like my mum and dad took me to the airport and every time I went and seen one of my friends started crying. I was like, guys, like I am going to come back at some point. Like I can FaceTime you. Um, I'm really close with like the girls at Liverpool still, to be honest. Um, Some of my best friends now and all my friends from home still live in Manchester. So for me, I was like moving away from everything really. Um, my mum and dad took me to the airport and I took like four suitcases. I had to ask them to like check me more suitcases on. I bet they thought, what the hell is this girl bringing? And I'll never forget, my dad was wheeling the thing and I couldn't even see him because the cases were like packed <laughs> up above him. He was like, this is ridiculous, Kate. I said, dad, I don't know what occasions I'm going to be going to out there. Like, <laughs> you need to pack like, everything for all situations. Exactly. Do you know what? Dads don't understand that. No. He said... Katie, going to play football? I said, Dad, I'm playing football for about four hours a day. Like, there's 24 hours in the day. I'm going to be doing other things. Like, I might need jeans. I might need shorts. Who knows? Do you know what I mean? I don't know the very fashionable country, isn't it, Italy? It's very fashionable. Like, also, they think it's freezing and I think it's roasting. So I need outfits for all occasions. Um, So I took my four suitcases. Uh, Actually, when I got onto the other side, wasn't that great of an idea because I had to wheel them all myself. But I remember like turning around waving and my dad was like this <laughs> and my mum was going <laughs> and I thought oh bless her like my mum was in tears and my, I think my dad couldn't wait to get rid of me actually. <laughs> like got on the plane, got off at the other side and like there was someone from Juventus waiting for me so it, I remember getting off and I, I got on the plane and I was like what have I just done like I'm just yeah. like up and moving. I remember actually for like the first week or two like everyone was like are you loving it? I was like yeah and I was like I want to go home. <laughs> I was like, I don't know anyone. Everyone thinks I'm Italian, so keeps talking to me in Italian and don't know what anyone's saying. Like, nobody speaks English. Like, I haven't got an apartment, so I'm in a hotel. I was just like, I want to go home. Um, and my mum was like, is it fine? I was like, yeah, because I knew, like, she would get so upset if I was just like, mum, I hate it. So I used to tell everyone how much, like, oh, I'm having a great time, like, and actually, I just didn't know anybody there. But that really quickly changed. And there was a few, like, foreign girls on the team that I could speak English to, which was nice. Um, and a lot of the girls, actually, that were spoke Italian and played for the Italian national team, like, that really helped me improve my Italian. And before you ask, I'm not very good anymore. Someone always goes, oh, can you give us a sentence? And I'm like, no. <laughs> um they a couple of them were really good at English so that used to translate for me and I still am in contact with some of them now and one of the girls actually signed for Everton so I'm gonna meet her and go for dinner which is really nice to like still have friends all over and they really helped me settle in and to be honest within like a month I was like oh I'm so glad I moved here I'm like 
sat in a park in the middle of the so-called winter sunbathing like nobody else is doing this at yeah. home what was the football like was the was the training different was was any was anything different um yeah it was really different to be honest and I think maybe I was a little bit naive in the fact that I was like going into it thinking oh the only thing that's going to be different is the language and everything is different like the main thing was actually the culture the culture is so different like in England we're such like about rules and being on time and like we're we're really like a culture that's focused on like everyone doing everything perfectly and if you're not doing something I'm going to tell you and I remember I turned up for like a day of training and we used to train in the afternoon because that's just what they like to do in Italy because no one gets up early and it was like to train at like one o'clock and it was like 10 past one 20 past one I was like people were just like coming in in dribs and drabs I was like do they know that it starts at one and like one of my really good friends was Norwegian so of course she was there at quarter to one um she was like Katie where is everyone I was like I have no idea and then like the coach would just turn up at half one I was like oh really no one's asked what time you start here like (laughs) it's just like a free-for-all like I would like be looking at the girls and I could see them in the coffee shop across the road like oh okay just like do what you want over here and to be honest like that's something that I quickly got used to and quite enjoyed to be honest but like a lot of the other girls was like really not for that and like if you were to ask anyone on the team who takes longest in the shower they'll be like Katie Katie does over there I was the quickest I couldn't believe it (laughs) I'm like so casual like take my boots off take my shin pads like wash my hair wash it again oh my god over there they were like you're fast so I come back over and I was like double slow because I'd like just (laughs) fell into the trap of being as slow as them um so like culturally like a lot of things were really different and actually I did my first ever interview after I come back and they were like oh what was the coach like um and she was she was real good but she only spoke Italian so she uh she used to speak to me in Italian and wonder why I didn't understand. Um, like really two weeks after I'd arrived in the country. Um, and I did the interview and she seen it and she texted me like, thanks, Katie. Um, that's not going to help me get any jobs in England. And I was like, oh, I'm, I was just kidding. Um, <laughs> but like, she was so good. And actually I've spoke to her since and her English is real good now. So that's, that's nice if she, if she does want a job. Over yeah. there. Um, but like we we got on well um but it was obviously difficult with the language barrier at times but she like I learned the words quickly that I needed to learn and also people would help me translate but the league as a whole is less a lot less physical but a lot more tactical and technical so like we would be doing passing patterns and doing like stepovers in them (laughs) and like over here that's like what what are you doing but like over here it's like pace of play go quick go quick and over there it's like calm down like you could see it in the men's game like I my dad used to come over quite a lot and we used to go and watch the men play and it was like one team attacks and the other team attacks it's like really methodical whereas over here it's like so full-on and that translates to the women's game as well it's like Mm -hmm. a slower pace of play but technically on the ball and tactically people are like all on the same page. How much of what you learnt, Katie, in Italy have you been able to bring 
over to your game now in United? Well, actually, it's funny you should say that because I've got a real sore throat today after the game because I'm screaming at everyone to slow down. I think it's such a thing over here of just being like 100 miles an hour, like everyone like wants, everyone's trying hard, but there's ways of trying hard. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes I think over here, we can take a leaf out of their book, but also they can of ours. You're seeing how well the Italian men's side doing tournaments now and I think they're really switched on to when to slow down the game and when to speed it up and obviously with our game yesterday like we maybe could have utilised the advantage of having 11 men a little bit better and that's probably something that they do do better by just taking a second thinking about what you're doing rather than being at 100 miles an hour and it's something that we will learn and I don't think it's just our team to be honest like Every team in England just seems to be flat out like all the time and it's not always sustainable but if you understand why you're going a bit slower then it's a lot easier to do it. When you were at UVA, oh sorry Helen, please. I was just going to say when you were there, (laughs) did you hear much about the Manchester United uh, women's team? Did did you know anything about that they were going to set up the next year? So ever since I left at 17, someone would speak to me like every couple months maybe and be like, we're going to get a women's team. Mm. And like after like three years, I was like, is someone just going to stop saying this because it's clearly not going to happen? Like it took from when I left, if I did four then, like five years, which is quite a long time to be honest, um, of hearing that there's going to be a women's team and no women's team ever appearing. So like I had... Emma Fletcher was there when I was younger and with a lot of the other girls of Millie and Toon and that will know her and she always said to us like girls one will come like please stay positive and also please come back when it happens um and we was all just a bit like we need to get on with our career at some point like if this is never gonna happen we can't keep waiting for Manchester United and it was actually really I'd signed two years in Italy so I was actually meant to do another season over there and when I found out about the team, there was like a lot of discussions about whether they were going to go into the Super League or whether it was going to be into the Championship. And I think that was holding me back slightly that when they first told me, I was like, actually surprising, not surprising, but like everyone always thinks people like, everyone's like, I'm going back, I'm going back. I think a few people was probably of the same mindset of me, like, it was a big decision for me and I know like Alex Greenwood as well to go and play in the championship. For me, I'd been at Liverpool in 2014 playing in the Champions Mm -hmm. League. So why now in 2018 would I go and play in the championship? For Juventus, we just won the league and we just qualified to be in the Champions League again. So for me, that was a bit of a decision. Like, do I want to take the step down? Which... Like no disrespect to the championship now, um, they've a lot more teams have gone full time and the standard has definitely improved. But when we were going into the championship, there was only us that was full time. Everyone else was like, hats off to the girls that are doing it because honestly, I don't know how they do. They go and work like nine five jobs and training in the evenings and then travel here, there and everywhere on the weekends. And the standard of play that they bring still is phenomenal. That they're able to balance that work life that work career with the like with the football I think it's crazy but 
a lot of us, like Alex was a full-time inter- an England international. So for her, it was a big decision. And I think it was nice the fact that we all did it together. I think that so many good players went and made the decision that they were going to do that, made it easier for everyone else. And at first, like I said, I was really umming and ahhing. And when I spoke to him the second time, like, I remember speaking to my dad and I was like, I'm not sure that I want to, like, drop a level. And he was like, it, it like, it's completely up to you. My mum was going, come home. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's completely up to you. But when I, like, really thought about it long and hard, like, I'd kind of been away, like, I'd experienced everything that I felt I needed to. And for me, it was like, if I don't go this year, then what happens next year? Like, will it be the same? Will I regret it? And it almost came back to, like, I went to Italy on the basis of, like, do what you think, you don't want to regret anything. And I come back on the same basis of, like, it's your home club, you're at home, you're back around your family. And would I have come back for a different team? Probably not. But it was the fact it was Manchester United and it was so close to my heart. And I knew that with Casey and the players she was trying to bring in, the training was still of a great standard that it didn't really matter how the games went at the weekend. We've spoken to other people that were in the room, but I assume you were there. Did you, can you tell us what it was like when you arrived at Old Trafford for the first team meeting? Did you know who all your teammates were going to be? How excited were you to, to finally be in a room with everybody? I'm actually really going to ruin your story again here because I wasn't there. Um, oh. <sighs> I know, sorry. My story Probably rubbish. I bet it was rubbish. <laughs> My story is much more interesting because I was in Las Vegas, so... Um, we, I obviously had no idea that Manchester United were getting a team together and I'd signed two years, like I mentioned, at Juventus. So I'd already like, everyone had booked the summer holidays. Like I actually went, it was an unbelievable holiday. Um, I flew to San Francisco with three friends and we drove down Highway 1. So we drove from... San San Francisco to Los Angeles down to San Diego and then at the end we were just like oh should we go to Vegas so we just like then extended our trip and drove to Las Vegas um and I had no idea that was the start date of Manchester United and nobody else (laughs) did so there was like four of us that were still on holiday but to be honest, it wasn't our fault because we didn't know that was going to be the start date. Like, obviously, when you end a preseason, they tell you like when you're coming back. But there was no preseason because it wasn't a team. It was just like, oh, we're just going to decide to start on this date. But I'd planned everything around going back to Juventus, so like we wasn't meant to be back in there till like another two weeks later. So I'd plan my holidays according to where I thought I was going to be. Um, so I wasn't actually there, and I went on a later date like when I got back off holiday um, with, I remember Tooney was there, um, maybe Rambo, who obviously is now on loan. There was just four of us. And I think we actually came here to ATC um, and just had a little look around. And I actually remember, I didn't know that we were meant to be, like, be doing things. I thought they was just showing us around. I turned up in a skirt because I was going for lunch after it. So I come in like a skirt and a nice little top and everyone else had trackies on. I thought, oh God, I'm really overdressed for this occasion, aren't I? (laughs) Had you spoken to Casey much before that point or when did she have an in-depth conversation with you about, you know, what she's seen from the team and what what her preparations were? Yeah, so 
I spoke to someone at United first who told me like what was happening, what they thought, how they wanted to like run things, and they told me that like they wanted Casey to be the manager. And I actually played with Casey at Liverpool, so played with her for two years or one and a half years, whatever it turned out to be. Um, so I had already quite a good relationship with Casey on more of a player to player basis, really. Um, she Casey herself is such a natural leader, so even when we were playing she always was the person that everyone respected and everyone like looked at like she was the boss um anyway so for me after I'd spoke to her and she told me the plans and obviously it was always the intention to be promoted in the first season and it was just about building foundations and then going into the Super League with a bit more experience and to be honest in hindsight it was probably the right decision a lot of people questioned it and I know a lot of people like fans and other teams were like what like it's not fair it's Manchester United they shouldn't be doing that but at the end of the day like who knows what the right decision was like it was a club's decision and I'm not sure how much Casey had to do with it but she was clearly fully on board with how they wanted to run and it was important that we got a foundation and we were able to get players together because when the likes of Man City joined the league like a few years prior, it wasn't a full-time league and it was a lot different coming into the league then. But now you've got the likes of teams playing in the Champions League and a lot, nearly every team in the league was full-time. And then just what us turning up with no team on our, on the first day that only know each other three weeks. like It was important that we built them foundations and was able to do that as a team, I think. Did you enjoy that season in the championship? Because obviously you weren't sure that was a league you wanted to be playing in because of the experience you'd already had. Do you know what's so crazy? That is probably the medal that I will cherish the most. Um, it's so like, it it makes me really happy thinking about it that I was so like indecisive and maybe I had reservations, but the team was so collective. Like the performances that... To be honest, we should have won the league. Everyone knew that we should win the league. We were we were the only full-time team, so it would have been a bit of a shock if we didn't. But for me, like how we played, like how we all got to know each other in such a short space of time is probably one of the medals, like I said, I will cherish most. And it felt like such a team and it's just built on from there, really. How much is that as well, sort of? helped build that team spirit as you said it was important to build the foundations and everyone get to know each other but the fact that you sort of most of you dropped down a league to play in the championship to then sort of get promoted into the WSL and and, you know be a team that's sort of competing with the top teams now how important was that really for the whole team to build that spirit that I think there's not that many teams that have got a spirit like United's yeah totally and I think the spine of the team now is still like the originals we like to call it um and of course it's so natural that natural progression of a team like you lose some players along the way and you gain new ones but it's really nice to see the likes of like I'm probably going to miss some people out here but like just through the middle of the team in like Millie, me, Toon, Leah, Kirky like what that's Obviously, I know Millie's injured at the minute, but that could be like five of you starting 11 that have started the team like, what is it now, our third or fourth season in? 
I'm really not good at times, as you can probably tell. Um, well, COVID has made it difficult for everybody. Exactly. They've all just like merged and cut off. Yeah. And to be honest, that's a real good excuse because I'm just horrific at timing anyway. Um, <laughs> but like, like I said there, like five of the like potential starting team is what you started with at the time. And it really brings a smile to my face when other teams say to me like, oh, you actually all look like you get on. Like, yeah, we're not faking it. Like, we actually do like each other. And, like, I think we had such a good foundation. And hats off to both Casey and Mark now that have recruited really well, that they've not only recruited great players, but great people. And I think you have your spine of your team there. And also, let's not forget, a lot of the staff are still the same. I know that, obviously, as as of this season, Casey... Casey left and Mark and Carl came in, but pretty much everyone else is similar staff. You've still got a lot of same faces around that just keeps that continuity that we you do need in a team. And I think not adding too many players, but as players obviously move on to new things and do things like that, um, you can just add players in bit by bit that then each season just become feels like the same family that it's always been. And as captain... How, what's your role as captain? How, how much or how little do you take on in, the, in that role? Yeah, quite a lot, to be honest. Um, me and Case had a great relationship and obviously Mark's not been in for too long, but we have like get on really well so far and it's a really open relationship in the fact that he discusses things with me and I will with him. And I think that's what's working really well at the minute that he's really receptive to new ideas and really receptive to how the girls are feeling. And I think Mark's well within his right to come in and impose his views, his playing style and how he wants to be. He's the manager at the end of the day. But what's really refreshing is he's so receptive to how the players feel, what the players want. And like I said, we've got a lot of the team that has been here for quite a while now and are used to certain things. And he's really open to that, like... If I say to him, you know what, Mike, the girls would maybe prefer if we did it this way. He's like, go for it, Katie. Like, it, as long as we're doing it, it's up to, like, you're the players that are playing at the end of the day and I'm here to facilitate that. And people have got a lot of respect for Mark in that respect, in that sense that he is really open. And when, when things need to be said, he'll say it. But if something can be adjustable, then he's really good like that. As the face as well, sort of, of Manchester United women as the captain, um, obviously there's been more following as the years go on, but then, you know, you, you see yourself next to Marcus Rashford on a mural in the Northern Quarter. Um, what kind of feeling did that bring to you to be able to sort of go to Manchester where like thousands of people will be able to see your face? You're next to Marcus Rashford, who of course is also, you know, one of the big players at Manchester United. What did that do to you as sort of within yourself as an individual? Yeah, it's crazy really because like inevitably people ask me questions about being the captain and I I do take on some responsibilities but like I just feel like myself. Like I think whether I had the armband on or not and probably in the first season you could see it because it's easier to compare like I'm going to act the same way and for me that's about what being captain is. Like you don't need to be somebody that you're not like Mark chose me to continue to be the captain because of how I am as a person, not how I pretend to be as a captain. Like it's really important that everybody can be themselves and there's definitely different there's different management styles and there's different styles to captain a team also. And I think for me, 
I'm I'm just myself and like the things like the Miovo, like I actually had no idea that it was being painted. Um and then one of my friends texted me and said, Do you know you want a painting in town? I was like, Don't know what you mean. And then my mum said, Katie, I know what she's on about. She said, I had a day off work the other day and I went into the Northern Quarter and someone was painting something. She went, I didn't know it was you. <laughs> I said, what do you mean you didn't know it was me? She went, I mean, it is amazing. Oh, finished amazing. She went, I told him it didn't look like you. I said, mum, he's spent hours painting that and you've told him it doesn't look like me. She said, don't worry, he said he'll do it again. I said, oh, for God's sake. So... To be fair, it didn't actually really look like me, the first one, but then (laughs) you tweaked it a little bit and, like, it was incredible. Like, no matter what it looked like or, like, how it was meant to be, like, the fact that three huge players like that of Manchester United and you can see with what Marcus has done and what he's just... the award he's just received with how, like, how much he's given back to the community. And I think he's a perfect example of, like, we're at really different levels of the spectrum I think like for women's football like it's really important for us to be inspiring the next generation of girls and hopefully they can look up to us and want to follow in our footsteps but for Mark as he's been able to take it to the next level and the next step in helping such a wider community in that respect and fair play to everything he's done I think the world does not revolve around football and he's really been able to show that with his platform. What aspirations do you have going forward within the world of football and anything, I mean, obviously not the same as Marcus Rashford, but are there <laughs> projects and things that you're passionate about off the pitch? Um, yeah, to be honest, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big women's rights advocate, actually. People laugh at me, but I don't think it's funny, actually. Um, I, I'm really someone that will stick up for what I believe in, whether that's the minority or the majority, like... It doesn't matter to me that that's how I am as a person and that's how I would encourage like younger girls and even the girls around me to be like, for me, it's a huge thing that everyone has a voice and that's something that I start with as captain. Like, It's not my voice that's important, it's 25 voices that I'm just echoing. I'm just bringing all your voices together through my voice, probably because I'm so loud, so only people can hear me. Um, but it's nice that everyone can have their opinion. And for me, I want to continue to push the grassroots levels and girls and getting involved in football and staying involved, but also... Be it feeling part of it, feeling valued, and a little bit of equality here and there doesn't go amiss. How lovely for those girls. They hopefully won't be in the same position that you were as a six, seven, eight year old. Hopefully, fingers crossed, they won't have people shouting at them saying, you know, you're the only girl in the team. Hopefully, they'll be in a team full of other girls who enjoy doing the same thing that that they are doing yeah exactly so I just want to ask you just before you go I know you're heavily involved as well in the United Foundation and a lot of that is involved with the grassroots football is that right yeah um they're doing an amazing thing really trying to get more girls involved in football and I think the foundation is such a key place to start like not for me football is about having fun like you don't need to play professional you don't you don't need to commit your life to something like if you just want to do it as a hobby I'm very much, you do what makes you happy. Like if you want to go once a week, if you want to go once a month, if that's going to bring the best out of you, then do that. And 
the foundation is really enabling people to play football and have fun and just get as many people, both girls and boys, children, just involved in the game. Katie, thank you so much. Honestly, I can see why all of your teammates nominated you for the next podcast. Because <laughs> I don't stop talking, probably. <laughs> You're a natural storyteller. I think that's a better yeah. way of phrasing it than you don't stop talking. <laughs> God, that's what everyone says to Mark. So that's not going to go down well. Who in your team do you think would be good? I tell you it'd be good, Aoife. Aoife. Aoife will be a great story. Maybe factoring even longer for Aoife. <laughs> she'll, be, she'll be going on. She'll have 700 stories about her knee. Her knee? Okay, yeah. we'll look forward to that one. <laughs> yeah, I think though as well though, like listening to your stories, you learn a lot from, you know, being a woman in football and like learning that perspective of things and, you know, just that story that you said, and I think it's going to resonate with a lot of listeners that will listen to this about you know, with the sidelines and being shouted at, but the fact that you didn't care and you just carried on and, you know, and that, I think that is in itself is inspiring for, you know, anyone that wants to play football, as you said, whether it's just for fun or whether it's they actually want to make a career out of it to just do you and play, you know, your game and that kind of thing. And I think it was just really nice that you were able to tell that story. Yeah. And not even just in football, but life as a whole, like there's so many people telling you not to do things or what to do and how to do things like why do you need to get involved in everyone else's lives and opinions like unless somebody comes to you and asks for your opinion or for your advice like probably just keep your opinion to yourself because people are just happy if they want to do it let them do it like it's not affecting you and I think if you if everyone can look after themselves and help each other out along the way then It'll be a much happier place. It would. Like that. What a lovely way to end it. Thank you so much, Katie. Katie, thank you so, so much. Honestly, You're it's welcome. been a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. You have to listen to this one. <laughs> no, I hate listening to my own voice because it's so high-pitched. Well, we know your mum and dad will definitely be listening. Oh, my dad will be ringing me as soon as it's out. Don't worry about that. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day, Katie. Yeah, thank you so much. Sorry, you've got a team barbecue. Oh, that sounds perfect. So I need get to going. Change. Yeah. Nice day for it. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Bye, See you later. Bye, everyone. bye. See, bye. See you later. Do I need to do anything? Should I click leave? Uh, oh, can they still hear me? Yeah, they can. Oh, right. Oh, sorry, I didn't know you could hear me say, should I click leave? <laughs> Well, I can see why she's been nominated by so many of her teammates. She is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Really, really nice girl. I absolutely love that podcast. Oh, it's Some great. Some fabulous really stories. Particularly about her dad, which there was quite a, quite a few. Payne, you know her dad? Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Well, he definitely knows you. <laughs> yeah. Although I think this is one of those things where if you end up going to Lee Sports Village, you'll see sort of the families and the fans all sit together. Um, so it is quite easy to get to know the families of the players and whatnot. I met him properly when we were doing, me and Katie were both doing an event at the National Football Museum. And he was there, bless him, sort of giving us support. So we were sort of all in the in the green room backstage before we went on stage. And he was there, Alan, as the supportive figure for Katie, sort of like working as her agent as well at the same time, <laughs> making sure she had everything she needed. But that was the first time I properly met him, but obviously seen him about at football games. And he's obviously, um, you know, you'll always if you if you meet Alan, you'll you'll sort of get very friendly with him very quickly so um everything that she said in that podcast is very true you only need to meet him once and you'll know exactly what kind of character he is and he's a really really nice man 
He sounds so great, doesn't he? You love the fence story, don't you, Sam? Oh, I just think it's so funny that he just went, I need to touch up. I'll just paint that. I'll just paint that fence while they're away. I think it's so funny. Everyone needs a neighbour like Alan. Yeah, big time. <laughs> but yeah, one of the things I loved about the podcast and what I've loved about all the ladies' podcast podcasts, should I say, is the fact that it's not just an easy road for them. You know, Katie talked about she was playing with lads. They all stuck up for her. She was the captain of their team. And look at her now. There was no role models really for her growing up. And now she is a role model for so many little girls. It's just an incredible, isn't it? I think it's interesting as well, the way she put it, like the way she tells her story makes it feel more, you know, you're like, oh, you know, how can people do that to you? Because obviously now that women's football is growing, you know, you like to think that it's getting more and more inclusive. But the fact that she, you know, she had to deal with this as a kid and it's not really affected her too much. You know, she was just like, well, you know, the guys on my team stood up for me. So I just dealt with it and then I moved on. And I just think that was so great that she was just able, like the way that she can just tell the story and it's just molded her into the player that she is now. And she's able to tell the story and, and, and not feel too sort of hard done by it, even though it's, it's a terrible thing to have happened. It shouldn't happen. But that she can just say, you know, I was a kid and there was, you know, there were boys that stood up for me and then I just carried on playing football because that's what I like to do. And then, you know, you just block out everything else. I think it's a really mature thing to do for a child. Yeah, of course. I actually felt quite sad when she was telling those stories. Mm -hmm. So as you say, for her to overcome all of that and just put it behind her is incredible. And as I said before, the fact that little girls now will have role models such as Katie and hopefully they're listening to this podcast as well. It's just incredible. I think it's nice as well how when she was saying about, you know, she want, she didn't want to go to the training for the women's team because she wanted to just go and still play with the boys as well. And like look at her now, like you said, she's just a massive role model for the women's team. But she, you know, if her dad, Alan, I'm going back to him, what a great guy. It hadn't have sort of pushed her to go and play with the girls, well, the women's team at United back in the day. Um, you know, who knows where she could be now. But yeah, it's, it's quite a sort of come 360, hasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Alan. On behalf of Manchester United supporters. (laughs) Shall we do some emails? Sure. Uh, Right, I've got one here from Jason Smith who says, to Maisie and all the podcast team, huge appreciation to you all for delivering such great entertainment via the United Podcast. I've been listening now for around eight months whilst uh, driving around the Midlands in my van and working upon the electricity network. I am slowly but surely getting through each and every episode and loving every single minute. I have the United app as advised by you all and have continued to listen to the podcast app as I love hearing the repeat of Maisie saying, right here, right now. Cracks me up every time, to be fair. That is very funny. I've been a United fan since day one, 1977, with my late grandma Frances teaching me the United way. She would have surely loved your podcast thank you i proudly follow and attend games of both the men and women's teams and my better half abby and my two daughters poppy and isabel who are 12 and 9 hi guys um who have been both told they are only allowed boyfriends who support united being born on the 7th of the 7th 1977 i have always adored as has many others our number sevens therefore i'd love to hear from none other than mr ronaldo from the men's team or ella toon from the women's team she's another true united number seven great and thoroughly deserves that shirt perhaps an even better idea would be to have a number sevens podcast with both ronaldo and Tui together keep up the great work I look forward to hearing from you uh, that's from jason smith jason thank you very much wow that was read incredibly fast sam well, it's quite long, so I faster thought... Than, faster than I speak. Excellent. Uh, Tasca, what about a number sevens podcast? We get Stevie Coppola on, Brian Robson, Cavani, Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah, we could. We could sit in the number seven suite at Old Trafford. That's actually a great idea. We could go through all the numbers. Yeah, get a load of them on. 
Okay, another one, Andrew Walters says, Sam, I met you on the way out of the Spurs game the other day and we had a good old chat about all things football and how we're both part of the Marden Massive. <laughs> I presume that's where you're from. It's not, but I have been to okay. Marden on many okay. occasions. Uh, love the show and thank you three do such a great job of getting the interviews to open up and reveal some fascinating insight loved the Rio interview and have particularly enjoyed this season lots of great guests would love some more from that mid 2000s era like van der Sar. also can't believe we've not had Gary Neville on yet keep it up guys thank you very much that's from Andy in Kent yeah thanks Andy I enjoyed that walk with you um Tell you, I saw, <laughs> I don't know if you can conclude this, I saw Gary Neville having a wee the other day and I thought this is not the appropriate time to ask him to come on the podcast. No. What's going on? Fine. Um, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you all very much for listening. And of course, a huge thank you to Peen for joining us. Peen, how was your um, experience on the podcast? It was very enjoyable. Thank you very much for having me. I hope I filled the big boots of Maisie for this one podcast. <laughs> 100% you did. Quite the challenge. There's not enough swear words that I need to bleep. Let's work on that for that. Um, so thank you very much for listening Pin. thank you so much for being so wonderful Helen great as always um, if you would like to get involved you can you can email us the address in the show notes it's unitedpodcast at mayunited.co.uk and we will see you next week bye bye bye, bye.